I hope all of you had a great 4th of July. We, we certainly did. We, uh, our motorcycle tribe put on a 4th of July event in Brackridge, and I think it was a great, great, huge success. We had a lot of times to be able to speak with people throughout the community. We had people all over from pretty much Saginaw 46 all the way to Alma and such, and some people from the south and north. It was, it was a great 4th of July. I love celebrating it. I love, I love being able to celebrate and live the freedoms that we have in America. Um, it was crazy because when uh, I was talking to a couple of different groups of people and whatnot, and even I could hear it throughout the rest of the week at work and whatnot, and uh, God kept just bringing something back up into my spirit over and over again when I was having conversations. Uh, everybody seemed to kind of jump over slightly our celebration of, of freedom and independence and kind of fall back into, well, this is going on and that's going on. And I, I do not watch the news. There is too much junk and stuff that goes on. I can't keep track or pay attention to any of it. And I'd rather not. But there was, a, there was something that God kept bringing back into my spirit. And uh, I had to write it down. And, it, and he said, uh, it is only because of Jesus. Now, I want you to pay attention because this is something that's praiseworthy. This is something that you should have in your focus this morning. Praise Praise God for this. It is only because of Jesus that the floor we stand on, remember, that's what's beneath our feet, is the ceiling to all the powers and principalities of this world. Listen, you can talk to anybody. We are living in kingdom days and a dark age. Like, there's a lot of garbage. But don't forget, we are living in kingdom days. No matter what is happening, we stand and live in kingdom days. That is of a triumphant, overcoming, never-ending, firm foundation, stronghold of God's kingdom. And it's because of Jesus that all these principalities and powers and rules of the dark is beneath our feet. Come on. That we stand above all of it. That's how we get to live in kingdom days is because of Jesus. So if you want something that's praiseworthy this morning, focus on that. That because of Jesus, you stand above all of that living in kingdom days. Focus on that. Keep that before you this week because, you know, there's going to be more news. But you just, you just got to remember, you're living in kingdom days because of Jesus. Amen? So let's stand. We're going to pray in. And let's get into some praise and worship. Let's do what we were meant to do. Come on. Dear Heavenly Father, I thank you for this morning. I thank you for the freedoms and liberties that we get to live in here in America. Father, that we get to praise you publicly. We get to speak your name out in the streets, Father. And I thank you that because of that, we stand above all the principalities and powers of darkness, Father. Now, we stand living in kingdom days, Father. That we stand under your banner, under your power and your strength, Father, under your glory and might. God, I thank you that we get to live in your goodness. Lord, I thank you for everything that you're doing in our lives, all the blessings that we have and more to come, Father. I thank you that this morning we're going to enter into your throne room with praise and worship, Father, and we are going to see, smell, taste, hear all of your goodness, Father. In the name of Jesus, I pray. Amen. Oh, remember, church, you're a chosen race, a royal priesthood, a holy nation. He's called you out of darkness into his marvelous light. Aren't you glad? Come on, give him glory then. I thank God. One, two. Yeah. Let's sing this. 
try with all my might, but I just can't win the fight. I'm slowly drifting, a vagabond, just when I, just when.
church. He's done it for you, right? Come on, so get up. Here we go. So get up, get up, get up. Get up out of that grave. Come on. Get up, get up, get up. Get up out of that grave. Gonna get up, get up, get up, get up. Gonna get up. and a joy to come into this house, Father, and worship you with the body of Christ. Father, what a privilege to sing songs that glorify you and exalt you, Lord God. I thank you, God, that your praises here in this house are loud. They're strong, God. They're a faith, Father, heartfelt, Father, because of the gratitude that we have for all you've done for us. What a God you are. What a Lord you are, Jesus. What a King, our King. Our kingdom, Father, our kingdom. We serve our kingdom because of Jesus Christ, our Lord. Thank you, Lord God. Come on, sing with me. There's an echo in the spirit. If you listen closely, you'll hear. Sound is broken shackles in There's a symphony in the making. There is freedom here for the taking. Oh, what a sound is broken. People are restored. Oh, what a sound of your people singing. Here in your heart. Let your praise be loud. 
Father, for your presence in this house. Thank you, Lord God. Father, because you're here, God, this is a holy moment. And Father, we choose, Lord God, to pay attention to what you're saying, to what you're doing. Father, to how you're moving. Father, we choose, Lord God, we say yes, we'll navigate. And we'll, Father, roll and flow with the river, Lord God, of anointing that's in this place this morning. Thank you, Lord God, that our hearts, Lord Jesus, are full of thanksgiving. 
God, our voices are, are geared up and loaded with worship because you're worthy, Father. Thank you for it, Lord Jesus. Towards you, my heart is open.
my life be worship you, Lord God. Let my life be worship to you. All that I do, every moment, every breath I take, Lord, let it be worship, Lord God. Let it be worship, Lord. So
can come back no matter how far away we get we can always come back we're always welcome at his house amen, amen. praise the lord why don't you go ahead and be seated this morning it's great to see you today and uh, to have you with us here to worship um, in a moment we're going to receive our tithes and offerings before we do that i want to mention to you that this week on wednesday uh, we're finishing up the book of romans we're in the last uh, part of it and uh, so we're going to finish that up and then we're going to start into the gospel of john next week and so i'm really excited um, about the teaching through the book of John. And after we finish that, we're going to be in the book of Revelation. So got lots of exciting things planned, and uh, it's uh, going to be a great blessing. I hope you can uh, join us uh, for this week and then also uh, in the weeks to follow. also wanted to mention to you to continue to pray. Um, I didn't know if Stephen mentioned that Stevie's, Stevie's still in the hospital uh, fighting these uh, stones. And so let's just... Uh, Amen. Let's just stand on the word that this too shall come to pass. Amen. And uh, literally, and uh, this will get out of his system. And so uh, we're agreeing for that with him. And I talked to him this morning and uh, praying for him. And of course, Tal, that uh, she, you know, fighting the good fight through all of that. Amen. And uh, their family. So just continue to pray, uh, to continue to pray for them. Praise the Lord. Amen. Hallelujah. I'm going to receive this morning's tithes and offering. If you need an offering envelope, if you will wave at one of the ushers, they have those. They'll go ahead and stand and uh, get those to you. And uh, if you brought your Bible, I'm going to have you open it to the book of Deuteronomy chapter 8. Deuteronomy chapter 8. And uh, God begins to talk to the Israelites about that they need to remember where their blessings came from and uh, that he was the one that uh, has taken care of them. And he says, listen, verse 10, when you've eaten and are full, then you shall bless the Lord your God for the good land which he has given you. Beware that you do not forget the Lord your God by not keeping his commandments, his judgments and his statutes, which I commanded you today, lest when you have eaten and are full, and have built beautiful houses and dwell in them. And when your herds and your flocks multiply, and your silver and your gold are multiplied, and all that you have is multiplied, when your heart is lifted up and you forget the Lord your God who brought you out of the land of Egypt from the house of bondage, who led you through the great, that great and terrible wilderness, in which were fiery serpents, scorpions, thirsty land, where there was no water to dwell, no water who brought water for you out of a flinty rock. And he goes on and he says, listen, you got to remember, there are two things that really help us, really, really help us to remember the Lord our God. One is communion. That's where he told us to remember, right? He said, remember that I gave my body, remember that I gave my blood. The second is in our giving, it's in our tithing and in our offering, that we remember the Lord our God. It keeps God in first place. When you read the book of Malachi, and Malachi is talking about how the people forgot. They actually started, the. It's, if you read the whole book of Malachi, which is only four chapters, but uh, it's interesting because the people, they just started bringing scraps to God, whatever they had left over. They were like, well, there's the good sheep, and here's this one over here that looks like it's half dead. Let's take the half dead one and give that to God. 
and uh, let's keep the good stuff for ourselves. Because what does it matter to God, right? Well, it doesn't matter to God because it doesn't change God at all, the fact that you gave him a half-dead sheep. But what it does do is it changes you. It changes your heart. It changes how you relate to God. It causes you and I, when we take the first fruits of what God has done in our life and we give that to the Lord, it causes us to remember that, look, we're blessed because of God. Amen? I, look, I know where I started from. Broke. Broke. In fact, I wasn't, you know, I wasn't just broke. I was below broke. How many of you know what that's like? I mean, man, you're down under. I mean, you're, not, you're in debt, broke. But here's the thing. Through faithfulness and tithing and giving offerings and keeping God first in my life, God has continued to bless and to multiply. And I never, ever want to forget where I've come from. God has blessed us. Amen. When we give our tithes and offerings, that's what we're doing. We're honoring God. We're saying, listen, Lord, I remember where I came from. I was out in a wilderness. I was broke. I didn't have much. I was just barely getting along. But here today, Lord God, you've blessed my life. Now, you might be in that place right now in your life where maybe you are still at that broken level. But here's the really great news about that. You're not always going to be there. Amen. There's a future and a hope. Hallelujah. There is a future and a hope. And tithing continues to tell us that God is going to take care of me because I'm going to do what his word says to do. Amen. Amen. If you've got your tithes and offerings ready, why don't you go ahead and stand up and uh, we're going to bring those forward in just a moment after I pray. Amen. We can all uh, just pray together. Father God, I thank you, Lord, today for your blessings. I thank you, Lord God, that you Lord, and where my life was, where many of these folks' lives were, Lord God, we know we did not do this. You did this. Lord, we worked, but you blessed the labor of our hands, Lord God. You blessed the, the fruit of our fields, Lord. You blessed us and gave us homes to live in and vehicles to drive and provided, Lord God, open doors of opportunity for us. Father, we thank you. We can truly say today, as the, as the psalmist said, I have never seen the righteous forsaken, nor his seed begging for bread. Father, I thank you today as we remember. We remember what you have done for us. We remember where we came from. We remember, Lord God, that you have a place that you're taking us to, Lord God. And it's a blessed land, and it's a fruitful land, and it's a prosperous land. Yes. And we're going to continue to walk in that. And we give you the glory and the honor in Jesus' mighty name. And all those agreed said, amen. amen. All right, you can bring your tithes and offerings for
Take that tambourine away from somebody. Is that what the deal is? <laughs> if you have your Bible, I'm going to ask you to open it up to the book of Matthew. We're in a series of messages out of the book of Matthew. And uh, on the Sermon on the Mount, we're calling it Summer on the Mount. The the message that is in the book of Matthew is a countercultural message. It is a it it really shows us the heart. It's the greatest message ever preached uh, that Jesus preached and uh, to the people, and uh, it's the longest message that we have in the Scripture that he preached, and and uh, it's it's so powerful the information that he's conveying, the illustrations that he's using, the the things that he's trying to convey to the to his disciples first, because really he just took his disciples up there, but a great crowd gathered around, uh, as we talked about last week. And uh, we looked at how last week, as we were studying through what's called the Beatitudes or the, the blessing, how that God has called us to a happy life and what a happy life looks like and uh, what, it's, what it says in the scriptures about living the happy life, that uh, it's not about how much we have or how great everything's going around us, but it's how close we are to God, that that's where real happiness is going to come in our lives. We're not going to find, we, we might have moments where we, we feel happiness, but lasting perpetual happiness in our lives, the blessed life is a life that's close with God. And so that's why he begins out by, in the Beatitudes, saying, blessed are the poor in spirit, because they, uh, they, theirs is the kingdom of heaven. And what he's saying is, and he continues to say, actually, it, from different angles in the next four verses, three verses, excuse me, is, is that it's those who draw near to God recognizing their own need. Recognizing their own need. God has everything that we need. He has everything that we need. We were created by God to be with God. Not to be separate from God. We were created by God to be with God, and uh, the need is on us. It, God, look, God does not need us, okay? We have a great need in our lives to be with our Creator, to be, to be close with our Creator, and so Jesus talks a lot about that, where he talks about those who mourn will be comforted, and then the last part he talks about after we've drawn close to God, the last four he talks about how that uh, Beatitudes about how we deal with other people, that we're peacemakers and that we're, we're people that are seeing the, the world from God's viewpoint instead of from our own viewpoint. Even how to deal with persecution. And so we asked some questions last week. And uh, if you missed that, that's all online. I encourage you to take the opportunity to uh, listen to that. You can go to our website, agchurch.net, and all that information is there. So after he finishes these Beatitudes and he's talking about persecution, he begins to talk about you are the salt and you are the light. And uh, I want you to look at verse 13 of chapter 5 with me, if you would. You are the salt of the earth, but if the salt loses its flavor, how shall it be seasoned? 
It is then good for nothing but to be thrown out and trampled underfoot by men. You are the light of the world. A city that is set on a hill cannot be hidden, nor do they light a lamp and put it under a basket, but on a lampstand, and it gives light to all who are in the house. Let your light so shine before men that they may see your good works and glorify your Father that is in heaven. Father, thank you today for your word. Thank you, Lord God, that you speak to us, that you guide us and lead us by your Holy Spirit. Lord, that you take what is information and by the breath of God, make it inspiration. Lord, that in that, that the Holy Spirit reveals and makes it revelation. And as we receive that revelation, Lord God, we will make application to our lives. We will not just be hearers of the word, but we will be doers of the word. And Lord, as we make application that we will walk in the transformation life that you've called us to, not conform to this world, Lord, but Lord, renewed in our mind and able to be transformed, Lord God, in all that we do. In Jesus' mighty name and all those agreed said, amen. amen. So to be salt and light. Dr. James Stewart, a great British preacher, once said, the greatest threat to Christianity is not communism, it's not atheism, it's not materialism, it's not humanism. The greatest threat to Christianity is Christians trying to sneak into heaven incognito without ever sharing their faith and without ever living out their Christian life, without ever becoming involved in the most significant work God is doing on planet Earth. That is exactly what Jesus is trying to deal with here. This is exactly what Jesus is talking to. When he talks about that you are the salt, you are the salt of the earth, you are the salt, you are that, that, that ability. Salt does three different things. It's, of course, it flavors. We know that. We use salt on our, our meats and vegetables and to add flavor to them. It brings and enhances that flavor. But salt also is a preservative that it keeps things that, from decaying. And salt creates thirst, obviously. It creates thirst. When he talks here about that you are the salt of the earth, what he's saying is, is that we must be the salt that is on a decaying world. You know, when you take the salt out of a situation, it, salt is that ability to be able to preserve it, to keep it. If you take the church out, for example, Thess in the book of Thessalonians, it tells us that when the church is pulled out of the earth, that the earth will then, the Antichrist will immediately, the, the only thing stopping the Antichrist from taking over, that Antichrist spirit completely having control in the earth, is there's a church in the earth. There's a church in the earth, as long as we're here. Now, there have been those that have tried to say, well, it's the Holy Spirit. The Holy Spirit never leaves the earth. The Holy Spirit was here before man came. The Holy Spirit will be after the church is gone. The Holy Spirit will still be here. But when the church is pulled out of the earth in the rapture, the catching away of the saints, evil will prevail. Until then, evil will try to prevail. Big difference. Evil will try to prevail, but you and I, we are the factor, the salt, and that's what Jesus is trying to say is, you are a preservative in this world right now. As you stand in your faith, as you stand as a believer, as you walk in the blessed life, that you and I, that you as God's people, that we are preserving 
what's happened. We're preserving mankind from destroying themselves. Look at anything that the Christianity or the church has been taken out of. Look at anything. Has it gotten better or worse? What about the school system? What happened when we took prayer out of school? I mean, I, when I grew up in school, we used to say the Pledge of Allegiance in fifth grade, Mrs. Richardson, I'm amazed that I can remember all that, but Mrs. Richardson would have us say, that we, would, we, would, we would all say the, the Pledge of Allegiance, and then we would immediately say the Lord's Prayer after that. In school. And you didn't not say it. You didn't have to believe it, but you did not not say it. Because Mrs. Richardson was a big woman. <laughs> and she was watching to see that you were doing it. That's right. So we, when we take that out, when we take it out of the entertainment world, what happens in the entertainment? When you take God out of the entertainment world, what happens? It, it totally it putrefies itself because it begins to decay. It begins that you are so vital. This is what Jesus is trying to say. You are so vital to what's happening. You say, me, look, I'm, I'm, I can't believe I'm that important. You are so vital to your family. You are so vital to your community. You are so vital to the world that you and I, and that's what Jesus is trying to say here is, is that, look, you're, you're keeping it all from decaying and falling apart. I'm using you. That's what you are. You are, you are the salt. He didn't notice here that he didn't say you will become the salt of the earth. You are, that means right now, present tense, you are today the salt of the earth, the salt of the earth. He says, but look, and I like this so much because he, he didn't say, you're the honey of the earth, right? Or you're the sugar of the earth. He said, you're the salt because sugar doesn't preserve. You're the, you're the salt. You're that factor that keeps things from decaying. You're, the, you're influencing, just like salt influences meat and salt influences vegetables and, and things we put it on. You're influencing the world that is around you. And you may not even realize how much you're... This is one of my, 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 uh, one of my things that I struggle with the most is that Christians do not realize how much influence you have as a Christian believer with the Holy Spirit inside of you. Because you have a... Whether you're preaching the gospel or not, the power of the Holy Spirit, you're the ark, the temple of God. His presence is inside of you. You don't even, most of God's people have no clue as to how powerful the spirit that is in them is. Lester Summerall talked about years ago when he was over in Africa that he uh, had had an opportunity to sit down and to interview a witch doctor. And uh, this, this witch doctor was very famous in their community for putting spells on people to uh, actually that people would die from him releasing these demonic powers on people. And Lester, as he was interviewing this, this witch doctor, the witch doctor said, but there's one problem I have. He says, he says, I can never get into a home where there is a Christian. Because whenever I get near those homes, there's so much light radiating from within that home. See, you don't even know how much light is in your home. There's so much light radiating out of that from the presence of God in their lives that I can't get in there and release my demonic powers. You know the only way that the devil can do that? 
is, is that if you're opening your mouth and letting it in, saying things like I'm cursed or God doesn't love me or I'm not blessed or blah, 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 all those things that people can say, well, I'll probably just get all the sickness that everybody else is dealing with. Well, go ahead, but it, I mean, you don't have to live that way. That's good preaching, Pastor. See, do you know that your home radiates with the presence of God? And it isn't whether, look, God's presence is everywhere, but it is especially with the believer because he dwells on the inside of you. He's in you. He's not just around you. He is resident inside of you. You are the temple of the Holy Spirit wherever you go. You're an ambassador. You carry within you the, the, the orders of the king and the king. Hallelujah. The kingdom of light, the kingdom that God has called us to is a distinct life. It's a different life. That's what Jesus was trying to say. You're making a difference in the world that you're in, and you're called to make a difference. And he says, look, if you don't make a difference, you'll lose, you lose that flavor. Now, you know, it's, 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 it's actually a pretty incredible thing because sodium chloride, which is the, what salt is, is a pure a substance. It's a pure substance. So salt can't actually lose its flavor. What he's talking about and what Jesus is talking about is, is that in Israel, they would have primarily got their salt from the Dead Sea. So the Dead Sea, as it would evaporate, it would leave a white substance on the shores, which would be, you know, the Dead Sea is the lowest point in Israel, so everything flows down to it. And all those minerals and all that salt would flow, would be there, and it would all set there. And then as the evaporation would happen, there would be crusts of salt along the edges, and the, they would go in and gather it. Salt was extremely expensive, was expensive. Actually, uh, according to historians, salt was so valuable in Bible days that it was often traded ounce for ounce with gold. It was, it was that hard to harvest, and it was that expensive. And they had to have it because, you know, you just couldn't keep your meat. I mean, you couldn't, you couldn't keep meat without that salt. You had to have it covered in that salt to preserve it, to, to dehydrate, you know, the same thing with the, with the, uh, with the fish. So, they had to have that salt that was available. It was so that valuable. Roman soldiers were paid in salt. They were paid in salt. So while Jesus is declaring all of this, they would have known that. If a Roman soldier didn't do his job, he wouldn't get all of his salt. There, that's where the phrase comes from. He's not worth his salt. Actually, the word salary that we use in our world today comes from the word salt. Yeah, because of the value that salt had in their community. Now, what would happen, because that salt that they used there, it wasn't a mined salt. It was a salt that came from the, the waters that evaporated. It was loaded with lots of other minerals that were within it. So over time, that it could become, because there was other things that were involved, it wasn't pure sodium chloride like what you're getting in your table salt, except they're adding iodine a lot of times, but you know, that that salt would not be the same kind exactly like the salt that we would have. And so what would happen is the salt would leach out. And then when that salt would leach out, he's saying it, it becomes useless. It becomes useless at that point. When we conform to the culture that's around us, instead of transforming that culture, we lose our salt, saltiness, seasoning. We lose it. We lose it. 
Do you know that right now in America, just the United States, evangelicals account for one in every six abortions in America? Evangelicals. We're supposed to be Bible-believing, Jesus-loving, one in six abortions right now. Over half of Christian teenagers, 55%, according to recent statistics, are engaging in sexual activity by the time they reach 18. And yet we're supposed to be the salt of the earth. The salt of the earth. See, it, and, and, I'm, and I look, I'm not trying to pick and clothesline preach here about sins and things in our life, but we are not of this culture. We are a counterculture. We're not like everybody else. We're a peculiar people. Look at your neighbor and say, you're very peculiar. But that's what we're supposed to be. And when we're as messed up as the world is, and we're as afraid as the world is, that was the whole thing that aggravated me about with COVID. The church was just as scared as the, as the world was. And look, not all of us, that's right, but a lot, of it, a lot of the church was very, very afraid. And a lot of Christians were very afraid of what could happen. Years ago, it was cancer. I mean, I remember dealing with so many people that were just fearful of getting cancer because of, you know, the, the, it was almost like a death sentence. So people lived in fear of that. Look, we are a countercultural people. We are not like the, everybody else. If our neighbor doesn't have Christ, we're not like our neighbor, nor should we want to be like our neighbor. Amen. I mean, the best time for us is not sitting around a campfire drinking beer and eating beans. And you know, if that's what you're eating and drinking, you're going to be having other problems in a little while around that fire. I promise you. No, he said, you're the salt. You're the salt of the earth. And I love this. He said, look, you're not the salt of the church. You're the salt of the earth. Earth, cosmos is what that says. You're, you're what's making a difference in the world. You say, oh, Pastor, come on, I'm not making a difference in my... Listen, I'm telling you, you're making a difference in your workplace. You're making a difference in your family. You're making a difference in your school systems. And we, and in our government, and we as believers, you know, when we, we, went, when we went through the academy here in the church and, and we were studying about, you know, the, the Patriot Academy, what was it that they said? Get involved in what's happening. Why? Because it makes a difference. It makes a difference. Because what's in you is going to come out of you. You're going to make a difference in that environment. I remember when I was coaching at, at, a, at the public high school. And uh, we started asking, you know, I just started asking the kids, would it be all right if we prayed before the game? Nobody said, I said, look, if you don't want to pray, don't pray. Not one of those kids didn't want to pray. They didn't want us to pray with them together. Why is that? Because, look, you're the salt. You're the, as you're in that environment, you begin to change that environment that's around you. You're giving them a perspective a lot of them came from homes that hadn't darkened the door of a church and may not have darkened the door of a church since then. But the influence of what they experienced, at least while I was a part of their lives, has been lasting in their lives. They were at least around someone who was spiritual. Amen. That leaned on God, that trusted in God. That's the difference 
that you and I make. We stop the decay. That's what Jesus is saying. Guys, look, you're making a difference wherever you go. You're going to stop the decay of what's happening in society, but you can't withdraw. It's not about sticking inside the four walls of the building and, and gathering. That was probably the worst thing that ever happened to the church, that we became more about the structures that we had and the places that we went instead of being that church wherever we were at, being out in the public and being the salt of the earth, getting involved in government, getting involved in education. You know, we can gripe and complain all we want, but if we're not willing to get out there and get involved, let me tell you something, your vote is not enough. It's important, but it's not enough. Because you get on that school board, you become an influencer. You're bringing Christian ideals to that board. Chuck, when he got involved in local government, he brought Christian principle to an environment that was not moving Christian. Christ-like. And, and they've seen miracles happen because of it. In that group, whether they believe in God or not, at least given the opportunity to see that God is real. Amen. That's what you do. That's what you and I do. So he says, look, you're the salt, but you can lose that saltiness in your life. We have to be careful that we're not allowing the culture, what's going on around us, to change what is in us. Salt really deals that when Jesus is talking about this, he's talking about this is the character and the nature of who you are. You're a preservative wherever you are. I'm a preservative in my family. You know, truthfully... Um, when a person comes to Christ, and this has been historically proven over and over again, when one person comes to Christ in a family, it changes the whole trajectory of that family. It changes the whole trajectory. I mean, they can, like my family, we were all, look, we were all going to hell. All of us. We were all headed that direction. But my uncle, who was salty, and didn't care about being salty. He didn't care if we liked it or not. But he continued to be salty. And he continued to pray for us. And he continued to love us. It changed the trajectory of our whole family. My dad ends up getting saved. My mom gets saved. My, my stepmother that was backslidden gets back with God. My grandmother gets saved. My, all our whole family has come to Christ because of one person's saltiness. That's what you do. That's what you do when you get involved in government. I mean, I'm not asking you to run for president, but I'm saying that, look, when you get involved in the local stuff that's going on in your community, you bring salt to the table. You stop the decay. That's what we are called to do. We are not called to separate ourselves from what's going on. I think one of the, the worst things I ever saw when I was in the Ukraine um, and... Uh, we were going, we, we had a day off from preaching and we were doing these huge seminars there. And so I, I, we went, I went to this church to be able to go through this big, and they, ha, they basically have a form of Russian Orthodox. Uh, it's Ukrainian Orthodox, but it's, but it's the same kind of a thing. And when you go in the building, it's this huge, huge building and they have all these pictures up, which are their icons of different people. And people go around to the different pictures of saints, and they pray to them, okay? And, uh, 
and anything that has to do with Jesus all happens behind a closed wall that's up here that only that the preacher can go in through the door. So everything else is shut off. All the communion stuff is on the other side. Everything is shut off. And then he brings out to you whatever it is that he believes that God has for you. So we're at this building and they said, do you want to go on the tour? He said, what's the tour? They said, well, we want to take you down into, we want to take you down into the caverns under the building. I said, really? They said, yeah, we want to show you what's down there. So we go down into these, these tunnels that are underground and in these tunnels, they have dead people now in these caskets. And they have glass things on top. And they, people go up and they pray over these caskets that the power of this person that's in that casket would help them with whatever's going on in their life. The person, now listen, here's what that person did. The person that's in that glass casket, that person actually went down into that tunnel got in one of those caves, and they fasted and prayed until they died. They fasted and prayed until they died. They went blind, their bodies dissipated, they died, they take their dead body, they put them in, and they say there's such great power now that comes from this person because they're close to God because they died fasting and praying. Okay? And I wonder what difference it could have made if we'd have pulled that person out of the cave, put them in the community, and let them give their life for helping other people like Mother Teresa did. Or others who influenced so many people because they got out of the, basically the salt shaker, okay? They got out into the community. I mean, it was sad. You say, well, that must have been like a long, long time ago. No, there were guys when we were walking through that we're still sitting down in those caves, alive, waiting to die. It's sad. It, I mean, it's very, very sad because that isn't what God called us to do. Some kind of ascetic life that we deprive ourselves from being out in the world. We're called to the world. Without you in the world, the world, it will be over. Well, Pastor, I just can't believe I'm that important. No, but the God that's in you is that important. And that's what the world needs. He goes on and he says, look, you're the light. You are the light of the world, not the light of the church. You're the light of the world. You're out there in that cosmos. A city that is set on a hill cannot be hidden, nor do they light a lamp and put it under a basket, but on a lampstand, and it gives light to all who are in the house. Your light, let your light, here's what he tells us about the light, let your light so shine before men that they can see your good works. Not hear your great sermons, <laughs> but that they see your good works and glorify your Father that is in heaven. You know, light is talked about several times in the scripture. Of course, this is in Matthew 2 Corinthians 4, 6, For it is God who commanded light to shine out of darkness, who has shone in our hearts, to give the light of the knowledge of the glory of God in the face of Jesus Christ. Philippians 2, 15, That you may become blameless and harmless, children of God without fault in the midst of a crooked and perverse generation among whom you shine as lights in the world. Ephesians 5, 8, For you were once in darkness, 
but now you are light in the Lord. Walk as children of light. Just like salt causes flavor and salt stops decay or preserves or salt makes thirstiness, light, what does it do? It shines. It, it reveals. It opens up. It causes darkness to dispel. When light shines, you know, where there is no, where, where darkness can only prevail where there is no light. Can only prevail where there is no light. Light gives hope to people. It's interesting, um, if you, I, when I saw this, I thought, man, this can't be true. And uh, so I did some research on it, and it actually is true. It's proved it scientifically. But uh, a single candle, a single candle in the dark is visible 1.6 miles away. A single candle. Now, they didn't use, can Jesus people didn't use, they used lamps, okay? They were more oil and lamps, but... Candles hadn't been brought on the scene yet, but a single candle, like one candle, in the dark, 1.6 miles. What's, what is that, Breckenridge? Would that be Breckenridge from here? I don't know how far. It's almost two. So if you go on this side of Breckenridge, let's say, that you would be able to see that candle. Now, if the earth was not curved, all right, if you had a straight line with no obstruction, according to science, you would be able to see a, a candle 30 miles away the light from that candle 30 miles that'd be Saginaw right yeah that'd be Saginaw or, or maybe out towards uh, Riverdale so you'd be able to see that, that light that far that's how important that light becomes wherever the light goes darkness runs you know the, look the devil isn't afraid of you but he is afraid of the light in you and the light that you could be and that light look we're not the light we just reflect the light we're just, you know, God's the sun. He's the brightness. We're just the moon. We just reflect, you know. We just reflect that light. We're, we're, we're just taking what God has done in us and reflecting it back to people. That's why he says that people will see, notice here he said, they will see your good works and they will glorify your Father. They will glorify your Father that is in heaven. Salt deals with our inward character. Light deals with our outward testimony. Our outward testimony. What are we doing with what God has done? This is why missions is so valuable, because whenever we send someone on the mission field, they are dispelling darkness. When I get on an airplane, I'm getting rid of darkness that's on that airplane. Are you? Amen. When we go to family reunions, we're getting rid of darkness. We're getting rid of darkness because we are the light. He didn't say you become the light. You are the light in the world. You are set on a hill and you cannot be hidden. You cannot be hidden. Someone one time said, and I thought this was so powerful, the real mark of a saint is that he makes it easier for others to believe in God. You know, if God's people would just be real. Look, we struggle with what everybody else struggles with, but we have an answer. See, their problem is they don't have an answer. You at least have an answer. And they need to know, they need to see. Look, as we, as we are out among people, and as we are talking with people and meeting people and getting involved in people's lives, 
that we really can make it easier for people to believe in God. True story, this happened to, to uh, my wife, actually. Uh, years ago, uh, we were at the church. Something was I can't remember what was going on. This is in Marietta, Ohio. And this young lady had come in to the, our building and was talking to our secretary, Nancy, and was talking with her about buying magazines. She was selling magazines. And Nancy, in our building, did not look like... She didn't know she was in a church because we, we had a building that was sort of like this one. It was just a big metal building. And if we didn't have that steeple out there, you wouldn't know this was a church, all right? We didn't have one of those. So um, she came in the building selling magazines. So she's talking to Nancy. And, and while she's talking to Nancy, Nancy could tell that she was really struggling. Something was going on with her. And here we, Nancy went and got Sharon and brought Sharon in to talk with this girl. And what had happened was this girl had got, ran away from home. She was, I think she was like 16 or 17 years old. She had ran away from home. She was from out in Oklahoma. And she was trapped in this industry that they were doing where they basically would take them, they, they'd keep them in a lockdown situation. They would take them in a van out into the community and tell them you had to sell so many magazines or you get no food or drugs. And she wanted out. She wanted out of what was going on. She was like, I don't know what to do because I don't have any money. They're going to come pick me up in this van. And I'm going to be, if, they don't, if I'm not there, I'm going to be in trouble. They're going to be looking for me. And I don't know what to do. I don't know how to get out of this. And Sharon, right there on the spot, said, we're going to call your parents. And she picked up the phone and she called her parents. And of course, you can imagine how that all went and the tears and everything that was happening. And this young lady, this 16-year, 17-year-old girl whose life just looks like it's in the toilet right now, she begins to tell her parents about that she's, she's at a church right now and that she's wanting to come home. She's wanting to come home. Sharon and I went down, we bought her a bus ticket, we kept her at her house, we couldn't get her on the bus till the next day, we kept her at our home overnight, preaching the sharing the love of God with her, but more than just sharing the love of God, because you can't just tell people, you got to do stuff to help people. You can't do what you don't have, all right? You can't give what you don't have. But if you can do something, look, if you got a glass of cold water and somebody needs a glass of cold water, I promise you, if you give that cold water to them, God will see to it that you get some cold water. The selfish nature of man says, no, i got to keep all the water for me. So we bought her that ticket. We took her down to the bus station, and she went home. But she went home loaded with light. She had experienced the salt. She let our good works. It's, look, we could have just told her, hey, well, look, you know, I know that's really bad, but come to our church service on Sunday morning. We have a great worship team, and it'll be really awesome. And the pastor, I know he'll bring a great message, and there's good, loving people there, and you'll just feel the presence of the Lord. She needed to experience the presence of the Lord from God's people doing things to help her get out of the problem that she was in. I'm telling you guys all this because I know some of you this week are going to be confronted with it. Somebody's going to come across your path that needs help. You're going to have to make a decision. Am I going to be salt? Am I going to be light? 
I heard a story one time. We don't know what happened with that girl. We didn't stay in contact with her. But it doesn't really matter because we're only part of, you know, she could be going all around the world telling her story about these people that she doesn't even remember their name. Does it matter that she knows our name? We don't care if she knows our name. We want her to know the name of Jesus. I heard of a story about a duck who broke his wing during a flight home for the winter. A sympathetic farmer retrieved the fallen duck and took him home. The farmer's children adopted the duck as their pet and began to feed him from the table and take him along as they performed their daily chores. By next fall, the children were heartbroken as they watched the duck look at other ducks who were flying south for the winter, but his wings still wasn't strong enough for the flight. Every time a flock flew south, the duck would longingly look into the sky and then return to play with the children. Well, the second year, the duck's wing had grown much stronger But the children had fed the duck so well that when he attempted to take off, he was too fat to get off the ground. After one or two attempts, he gave up and returned to play with the children. The third year, the duck was completely healed. But as the other ducks quacked their call to go south, the duck never even looked up as they flew over. He had become so accustomed to the comfort of his new existence that he had lost his focus on the true calling and meaning of his life. I pray to God that that does not happen to us, that we become a bunch of fat ducks satisfied with the world system. Say, Pastor, you're making me mad. Good. (laughs) Warren Wiersbe said this, there are two pictures of the Christian, salt and light. Salt speaks of an inward character that influences a decaying world. Light speaks of the outward testimony of good works that points to God. Our task is to keep our lives pure that we might salt this earth and hold back corruption so that the gospel can get out to all the world. Our good works must accompany our dedicated lives as we let our light shine. Amen? Bow your heads with me for just a moment. I'm going to ask the prayer team to come. I have some specific instruction this morning about what we're supposed to do in prayer. Uh, Father, in the name of Jesus right now, I pray, Father God, Lord, if we become fat ducks, Lord God, and lost our purpose, help us today, Lord God, restore that by the Holy Spirit. Lord God, we need you. We need you, Lord God, your power, your ability. Lord, what you have put within us, Lord, let that be the salt, Lord, of our lives. Lord, if we've lost our savor, if we've, Lord God, we've allowed just stuff, time, experience to take the saltiness out of our lives, Lord God, the wear and tear of life, Lord, refire our lives. Do a miracle in us, Lord God, in our character, that, Lord, we would not succumb and give in to the system of the world, Lord God, but we would be the counterculture that you've called us to be, a loving people, but a people that believe in something greater than themselves. Father, let us be the light in our world, Lord God. Let us not just be the light here in the church, serving and helping and blessing and encouraging, but let us be a light in the world, in the cosmos, Lord, where we go, Father, the people we deal with in our workplace, uh, the, the people we sell to, the people we buy from, Lord God, that we would be, Lord God, the light of the world because people need to see that light, Lord, because right now for a lot of them, all they see is the darkness like that little girl did. 
There's no way out. Father, I thank you. Lord, all over the building that you're dealing with hearts and Lord, you're dealing, Lord, with the specifically, Lord, areas in our lives where we just need to relinquish that to you and turn it over to you and say, yes, Lord, I say yes to you. And I will, I will be obedient. In Jesus' name, amen, amen. I want you to stand with me. I'm gonna ask Noah, right there is some oil in that, uh, in that container, that little box there. Grab both of those out of there. I'll put one down at one end and, and you guys keep one at your end. I felt this morning as I was praying that what the Lord was telling me was, and we pray for people all the time, but that there should be a real anointing of oil uh, and a prayer of faith prayed over you. Some of you I know are, are in major battles right now physically. You're restorative things are happening, which is absolutely awesome. But I want there, there, there is a presence and a power that is released when we anoint with oil. It's told, we're, one, we're told in scriptures, is any among you sick, let him call for the elders. These are our leaders uh, of the church and let them anoint with oil and pray the prayer of faith. So if you need prayer, if you're fighting something in your body right now, uh, you're going through or you're recovering something in your body right now, I wanna really encourage you to come up this morning, even if you've been prayed for 20 different times before today and allow these guys to anoint you with oil Pray the prayer of faith. Now, what does that sound like? Faith says that it's yours now. Faith says it's yours now. Amen. And as we continue to believe, it will become manifest in the natural realm, in the physical realm that you live. So faith says it's yours now. So they're going to pray for you, not that it might be yours, but that it is yours and it's yours now. Okay? It is your listen to this. This is really, will really help you this morning. Mark 11, 20, 24, it says, and when you pray, when, when is a time word? When you pray, right, believe. So when do I believe? Now. I believe right now I receive, believe you receive. I, when is now? Everybody say, when is now? Amen. All right. So when oil is put on you and the prayer of faith is prayed, when is now? When you pray, believe you receive, and then you shall have. Then, time word, right? When and then. Your then is coming. I thought I'd get more excitement out of that. If there is a when, then there'll be a then. Can you say Amen. So I want you this morning, I'd like to ask you, just go ahead and do that. If you would like prayer this morning, I want you to come right now. Do it now. Come on, let's not wait. You need healing in your body. I want you to come now. Let them anoint you with oil. Even Like I said, even if you've been prayed for, I don't care if it's been 100 times. Sometimes it's just that experience in that moment, that particular moment, that something is manifesting. And that, that's what we're going to do right now. And uh, we're going to dismiss this way, so if you need to go, you go ahead and go. We're going to pray for folks here at the altar and anoint them with oil and pray the prayer of faith over them in Jesus' name. God bless. Be salt and light.